You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. The catch-up concessional contribution rules are finally here. Believe it or not, they initially got announced over three years ago, back in May 2016. Given this, many advisors may be a little rusty on the details and what strategy options they present. I am Kim Guest from First Tech, and joining me to discuss these important changes is Craig Day, head of the First Tech team. Welcome, Craig. Hi, Kim. Hi, Craig. How are you going? Very well. So given that the catch-up concessional contribution rules were first talked about back in 2016, we've all probably forgotten exactly how they work. Would you mind running us through the new rules? It has been a while, hasn't it? Uh, Yeah, I remember when these uh, announcements were first made as part of the the federal budget in May 2016 um, as part of the 1 July 2017 changes. And, And we did see these particular reforms actually get delayed a year. So you may or may not remember that uh, lifetime non-concessional cap, uh, and that got dropped after a little while. Now, that was going to cost the, the government some money, so what they did is they cha- made some other changes, including pushing these rules back to an effective j- date of 1 July 2018. So your comment about that we finally got them just means that while they became effective on the 1st of July 2018, no-one's really had any unused concessional cap. Um, that they can contribute up until a couple of weeks ago on the 1st of July. Now, in terms of how these rules work, they work by allowing a member to carry forward and contribute any unused concessional contribution and cap amounts that accrued in the previous five financial years. Now, importantly, that's starting on the 1st of July 2018, uh, where their total super balance at the end of the previous year is under $500,000. So it's not all members, just members with total super balance of under $500,000. So in 2019-20, we just look back one year. That's right. We only need to think about going back one year. So it makes it pretty easy for this year, but as we get going forward, it's going to get harder and harder to calculate these amounts. So we'll, we'll t- chat about that later on. Um, but in terms of that, let's give me an, give, let me give you an example. So let's say we have a member that's got a salary of approximately $105,000. So that makes it nice and easy they're going to have concessional or SG contributions of $10,000. So if we're to understand what their unused concessional contribution cap amount was, it's simply the difference between their SG, assuming they made no other concessional contributions last year, um, the difference between their SG uh, and the concessional cap of $25,000. So they would actually have unused concessional contribution cap amounts for last year of $15,000. Now, Keep in mind that they've also got their 25000 standard concessional cap this year, so that means they're actually going to be able to contribute as concessional contributions up to $40,000 this year. Wow, that's a relatively large cap, isn't it, given that we're only bringing forward one year worth of unused amounts? It, it, it really is. So the interesting thing about these rules is you've, you've got these unused cap amounts, and they will start to build up each and every year. 
Um, and then you've got the standard concessional contribution cap in that year. Now, to give you an example, if I was to take things right out to the very extreme of things, what these rules do is they potentially allow us to contribute up to $150,000, maybe as a personal deductible contribution. So the way that would work is we've got five years of no concessional contributions whatsoever. So you've got someone that's not working, not making any personal deductible contributions. Now, considering a start date of 1 July 2018, that would mean that they would actually be able to make a contribution in the 2023-24 year of $150,000. And that is the previous five years of unused concessional cap. And here we do have indexing of concessional cap, so I'm just assuming there that we've got this standard amount of $25,000, so it'd be even more if we see an indexation. So we've got that previous five years, plus in the sixth year, we've got the $25,000. So that allows us to get that $150,000 in. So there's an important point to note there that the um, unused cap amounts can be contributed up to six years later. Yeah, yeah, everyone seems to think that, well, we get this talk about these, uh, you get to carry forward your unused cap amounts for five years, so therefore they're thinking the contribution actually needs to go in in the fifth year, but that is actually not the case. So what we're doing is we're looking back to the previous five years, telling up all of our amounts of unused concessional cap, and we're able to contribute that in that sixth year, but importantly, where we had total super balance of under $500,000 as at the end of the previous financial year. So that's great that they have that you know large amount of unused cap available, but I guess it's only um, clients who have the money available to make a large concessional contribution that are able to make use of those unused cap amounts. Yeah, and that's the, that's the issue with these, and and to somewhat so to some extent, it's part of the um, criticism of these rules when they first came out is to say, well, it's it's great to allow people to make catch up concessional contributions and. And in the explanatory memorandum and in some of the government's uh, information about this, they were saying that it's very much targeted at people who have spent time out of the workforce. So mm -hmm. this may be people that spent time out caring for an elderly relative or maybe on maternity leave, and it gives them the opportunity to make catch-up concessional contributions. Now, the interesting thing about that is it actually requires them to have enough income to actually make that, that catch-up mm. concessional contribution. So it's not only the $25,000 that you're looking to contribute, it's amounts over and above that. So that actually will impact a lot of people um, in terms of how they're able to interact with these rules. So I guess um, some of the people that are some of the ways that people are going to have the funds available to be able to make um, large deductible contributions is perhaps from selling assets um, or making in specie contributions. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. So it's it gets really interesting when you start to look at the strategy. So if you just looked at it as simple, okay, well this will allow you to salary sacrifice. You know, if we use that example we used previously, forty thousand dollars this year. Um, I know I for a fact couldn't couldn't afford to salary sacrifice forty thousand dollars because all of that you know money goes into my superannuation account um, and that would leave me um, short in terms of my living expenses. So um, how else do we potentially think about using this? So your point exactly, we could have people that are looking to sell assets to make contributions to super. So previously, before 1 July 2017, if they were just an employee, that would have to go in as a, as a non-concessional contribution. 
but since we got rid of that 10% that employment income test, um, anyone can now claim a tax deduction. So that would potentially allow someone in that situation mm. to sell an asset to, to fund a large contribution or even potentially do in-specie transfers. So if we've got a client with a self-managed super fund or a, um, a superannuation wrap and they want to transfer in, let's say, some listed shares, um, they, would, they could do that under these rule, new rules. Now, the interesting thing about that is in both of those situations, regardless of whether we're selling an asset or we're doing an in-specie transfer, we're crystallising a CGT event, typically CGT event A1, um, in that situation. Now, what that's going to do, though, is if I've got the ability to claim a tax deduction for these contributions, um, then that means that those accrued gains effectively are being taxed at the 15% contributions tax rate because we're dealing with a concessional contribution here um, instead of at my marginal rate of tax. So that's certainly one group of people that could look to utilise these rules without necessarily foregoing any you know, cash flow. Mm -hmm. They're just simply looking to transfer assets into the superannuation environment um, or looking to sell assets to make contributions into the superannuation environment. So there's a lot of really good opportunities there, isn't there, for, to use these rules for, strategy, for a number of different strategy situations. There is, there is. Is there any other ways that you could use catch-up concessional contributions without really taking an impact on the client's cash flow? Yeah, well, um, you could also potentially think about people there that have got some sort of windfall. So um, let's say someone's um, died and you've received an inheritance, let's say your great-aunt. Um, so you're not too disappointed by it. Um, <laughs> in that situation, you could you could take that I money. I like my great aunt. You, like, <laughs> you could take that uh, that money and make a contribution. Now, once again, there you could put that in as a non-concessional contribution if you wanted to, or in this circumstance, maybe think about claiming a tax deduction for that contribution. So, once again, that means that you're now getting a tax benefit in terms of um, the reduction in in tax that you're going to have to pay on your other accessible income, so maybe your salary and wage income. And when you think about it, if you took that, let's say, potential tax refund that you're now getting and, uh, and threw that into superannuation as a non-concessional contribution as well, you may actually get, in gross terms, a, a larger contribution, even taking into account contributions tax. Now, the other really interesting strategy, though, is transition to retirement strategies that involve personal deductible contributions or more likely salary sacrifice arrangements. But I thought TTR salary sacrifice strategy was dead. Well, that, that's, the, that's the thought, right? So we did have those changes on the 1st of July 2017 that very much took the gloss over that particular strategy. So prior to that, we would get people that would look to start a TTR strategy or a TTR income stream, um, and then they would also start salary sacrificing. Um, that's obviously going to impact my take-home or after-tax income. Uh, what I then do is kick on a transition to retirement income stream or pension um, and take enough pension payment, concessionally taxed pension payment, to actually replace that lost in the hand income. And typically you had to take less out in the form of pension payment compared to what you were put in as a contribution. Um, the other benefit of that strategy was you were converting a lot of assets into the tax-free pension phase. Now, a couple of comments about both of those. One, obviously the tax changes haven't changed, right? Um, two... The real benefit of that strategy, while yes, part of it was from those, those tax-free, you know, converting lots of assets into the tax-free pension phase, the other one was the ability to salary sacrifice 
a large amount of income, up to $35,000, and then replace that with a lesser amount of concessionally taxed pension income. And in fact, to a large degree, that was almost as big, probably in some situations, a bigger benefit to the client mm. than actually the tax-free status. So when we now look at these catch-up concessional rules, will we, over time, have the ability for people getting to, let's say, age 60, to then enter into a salary sacrifice arrangement to salary sacrifice their unused concessional cap amounts from the past or previous five years, which could potentially allow quite a significant salary sacrifice arrangement potentially in the first or second year, depending on the level of the income that a, that a client has. That's really exciting, isn't it? That um, it sort of gives a new dimension to TTR strategy, particularly where the client's age 60 or more. Yeah, and mm. the really interesting thing about it is it's, it's really, well, it really hits upon those clients that are really needing and wanting to look to maximise super because you're dealing here with people with um, total super balances below $500,000. So these are the ones that are probably really looking to try and boost their, their final retirement benefit by as much as possible. So they may be the ones eligible to use this strategy. So once again, don't forget, this is not available to everyone. You've got to have total super balance below $500,000. But what we did here is I ran some numbers on this. And if, if you've got an interest in this, um, certainly get on and have a look at the uh, the First Tech article that we've got on the First Tech webpage, uh, website that looks at all of this. Now, I'm not going to go through all the nitty-gritty detail because it, it does get a little bit detailed and, and probably not that great to talk about on a podcast. But the important thing to understand here is that what I did is I looked at someone that was, let's say they got to um, age 60 with $450,000, they were on $100,000 worth of income and they had $50,000 worth of unused concessional cap. So taking into account um, their, their uh, standard concessional cap in the year that you, they're doing this, plus their unused concessional cap amounts of $50,000, that allows them to contribute potentially up to $75,000 or even a bit more, uh, $76,500 if you take into account indexation of the concessional cap. So what we could do in that first year is actually salary sacrifice not twenty-five, but $75,000 worth of income and then take that person's uh, superannuation and kick it across into a transition to retirement income stream mm -hmm. and then draw down enough income to replace their lost income. So what you've done there is effectively you've taken them from earning $75,000 in terms of assessable income and brought them down to about, you know, about $20,000. Um, so in, no, less than more than that. More. Mm. 20, yeah. yeah, so they had a hundred thousand to start with. Yeah, and, then, and you've yeah. salary sacrificed seventy five, so that leaves yeah. them at about twenty five. Yeah. Now, if we were to then compare just this person doing nothing, right? They're they're earning a hundred thousand dollars. They've got four fifty in super, um, and then we project forward five years and see where we end, where we end up with. That's our base case, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about six hundred odd thousand dollars. Now, the interesting thing is if you then compare that with just a standard TTR strategy, salary sacrifice strategy, um, that you can do today without the catch-up concessional contribution rules, you mm. still get a benefit of that because your, your pension payments are tax-free yeah. um, and you get that tax differential coming through. So in that situation, that client over that five-year period is going to increase their final retirement balance over and above the base case by about $16,000. However, if we implement this final strategy 
of actually salary sacrificing 75 in that first year and then for the remaining four years we drop it back down to $25,000 because we're not going to have any unused concessional contribution cap after that. Mm. You actually see the client end up with a, a net benefit over and above the base case of $27,000. So we're actually now give, beginning to get back up to the levels of benefits that we had before 1 July 2017. So for the right client and the right, right situation, that strategy will be particularly powerful and certainly a big value add for an advisor to be talking about with these types of clients. So TTR salary sacrifice strategies could be set for a comeback. Yeah, we could well see. Now, obviously not initially because, you know, we're, we've got to allow these sorts of levels of unused concessional cap to build up. But, uh, you know, if that's... if that's And another important comment here would be, let's say this client is on $100,000 and they had, let's say, $100,000 worth of unused concessional cap. Obviously, we wouldn't go and salary sacrifice that $400,000. So we might be doing that over two years. And the reason for that is you don't really want a salary sacrifice down someone below that effective tax-free threshold because now they're paying contributions tax of 15% on income that would otherwise be tax-free to them. And if so. you wanted to know what the effective tax-free thresholds are, we've got a Did You Know on our website, we which looks at a few different client situations where we've worked out those numbers. So that be, might be handy for that calculation. Okay, so when I think about these catch-up rules, they do sound reasonably complicated, though. Um, I can, it seems like advisors are going to have to calculate a number of things to get that right. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you didn't think contributions, superannuation contribution advice was already complicated, um, it now got a bit more complicated. Mm. Um, so for clients looking to utilise uh, catch-up concessional contributions, first thing um, they need to understand is the total super balance at the end of the previous financial year needed to be below $500,000. Now, um, important thing to understand there though is just because your total super balance is over $500,000, it doesn't necessarily mean that you stop accruing unused concessional cap. So let's say you had a client that in 1 July or 30 June 2018, uh, they had, let's say, $501,000 total super balance. Mm. Uh, in that situation, they couldn't have used the catch-up concession. Well, they wouldn't have had any anyway to begin with, but um, they, if, if we did go back prior to that date, they wouldn't have been able to do it because they wouldn't have been eligible to make catch-up concessional contributions because their total super balance would have been over $500,000. But if we then get to 30 June 2019, and let's say we've had a bit of negative investment return or the client's satisfied a condition of release and, and has pulled out a lump sum then we may now be in a situation that we're below $500,000. And what that would then allow us to do is to say, well, what was our unused concessional contribution cap amount for the 2018-19 year, which the year that we wouldn't have been eligible to make a catch-up contribution, yeah. but it doesn't mean it doesn't accrue anymore. So clicks around next year and all of a sudden we can use it. So that might be a strategy for some people where you're very close to that threshold. If you do have access, maybe even pulling out a small lump sum to get you down below, mm. which then might allow a, a large concessional contribution Maybe some year. TTR payments might maybe also... Some, yeah, yeah, maybe some TTR payments or something balance. like that. Mm. Now, the interesting thing about that, as I was talking about before, is total super balance. So we really need to be able to go and calculate total super balance now. Um, you know, when you're talking total super balance previously of up around 1.6 million, not many people mm. have total super balances up around 1.6 million, but lots of people have balances around about $500,000. So you're going to be, have to be quite careful with this. Now, mm. a couple of ways you can do, do this is you can get the client to look up their total super balance via MyGov. 
um, assuming they have a MyGov account and assuming they can remember the password. Um, now, in that situation, also very important to remember, though, is just be cautious with any ATO data that is reported via MyGov because it's only as good as the reporting it gets. Mm. So therefore, if you've got large super funds that haven't reported yet, then that figure won't be included. Or let's say you've got a self-managed super fund that reports member balances when it lodges its annual return. Um, some funds don't return and uh, lodge that return until May the following financial year. So the ATO actually won't be able to calculate your 30 June 2019 total super balance until you know May 2020. So mm -hmm. you just need to be careful, make sure you're, you're capturing the right figure. If, uh, if you've got members with multiple funds, maybe worth just doing a quick ring around, just confirming those 30 June balances um, yeah. and make sure the client is telling you that they've got you know, all of their super funds and they've got no hidden ones there mm. that you're not actually checking. What's another thing that the advisors would need to calculate to work out yeah. these unused cap amounts? Yeah, this is where it starts to get a little bit even more complicated. So total super balance, yes, um, but now what we need to do is calculate what the actual amount of unused concessional cap is in a year. Mm. So at this stage, we're only looking back to the 2018-19 year, but a couple of years down the track, we're going to be looking at multiple years. It's now, going to become complicated. It is going to become more complicated. Mm. Now, many advisors may think that, oh, well, the ATO will report on this figure, won't they? Actually, mm. currently, no, they don't. So there is no MyGov reporting for uh, unused concessional contribution amounts or cap amounts. Now, um, good news is that they are certainly intending to start reporting that figure um, by the end of this year. So that will be helpful. But once again, um, that data will all depend on the the reporting that comes into the ATO. Mm. So um, here, if you've got... Uh, multiple employers um, making contributions to different funds if those funds haven't reported those contributions. A lot of reporting these days will get done via single-touch payrolls, um, but you know you may have self-managed super funds that are not reporting if they're small employees. Um, so what we really need to do there is, um, even if the MyGov reporting is there, I would be double-checking the level of concessional contributions coming through now. Um, the way you do that, I would be going back to the members' fund and just mm. getting a report in terms of the level of concessional contributions that have come through. Now, there's, that certainly helps, but there's also traps with that, right? So the first trap would be making sure that you've captured all the, the members' funds that concessional contributions are going into. So you may have had a, a member rollover or change funds partway through the year, so they would have contributions going to different funds. Um, you may have uh, a member that has changed jobs uh, and the new employer hasn't been advised of the choice fund or is not contributing to the old fund, they're contributing to the new default fund. So you could have contributions going to multiple funds there. And uh, another trap, actually, um, a little known trap is where a client's salary sacrifices. If they've chosen a particular fund for their SG, the employer has to pay there by law. But that choice requirement doesn't actually apply to the salary sacrifice amount. So you could have a client that say, SG is $10,000, their salary sacrificing an additional $10,000. It is, well, not that common. It is certainly not unknown that an employer may say, well, that extra 10000 salary sacrifice, 
I would actually prefer to pay that into the corporate fund to try and keep the assets in that fund high, so keep the costs down for all the members in that fund. So that's mm. another trap there you just need to watch out mm. for, the way <coughs> you may have contributions going to multiple funds. The yep. final issue is personal deductible. Mm. So you might go in and have a look at um, someone's personal uh, or superannuation account. You may see a member contribution there. Um, you're thinking, oh, well, they haven't claimed a tax deduction for that, so therefore that's a, a non-concessional contribution. Mm. But then the client's accountant tells them to claim a mm. tax deduction for that. You know, So we could have clients now claiming tax deductions for contributions they made in the 2018, 19 year. Yeah. If you're in there looking today, but the, the notice hasn't gone in yet, you're thinking that that is a personal non-concessional contribution, they lodge the deduction, all of a sudden it converts into a concessional contribution mm. and counts. So lots of traps there for advisors. There are, mm. there are. And the final, the final one to watch out for is um, in the year that you're making a contribution, you're obviously mm. going to need to calculate what their effective concessional contribution cap is. So for all members with balances, total super balances below $500,000, go on to the days where you can just know that their concessional cap is $25,000. Mm. It won't be. And in fact, each and every member will have their own concessional cap because it'll be the standard concessional cap plus mm. any unused amounts. Okay, so that's you've got to calculate what that um, that effective concessional cap is. But then, don't mm. forget, if you're going to now look to make personal deductible contributions or salary sacrifice contributions, you're going to have to take into account any other concessional contributions being made during the year. Oh, that sounds really interesting. So the moral of the story is that catch-up concessional contributions are finally here and they could provide some valuable strategy opportunities for the right clients. However, the rules are really complex and advisors need to take care to get things straight. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for that, Craig. You're um, welcome, Kim. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please remember, these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.